passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Welcome, everybody, to Rewind a Dynamite. It's Wednesday night. Hello, Way. And John, how you doing? Do you know how old Michael Jordan is today? Oh, man. Um, guessing 50? Eight. 58. Wow. 58. Okay. Wow. I thought it would be a more significant number. That's why I thought that's why you would ask, but okay. 58. It doesn't strike me as 58. How much does he strike you as? Um, I don't know, but if I guessed, he would probably take it personally. So I wouldn't want to offend him. I mean, like his era really was more than 20 years ago. It was like 25 years ago, almost. So that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't, we don't count the Washington era. It's really Chicago. And then that's it. You retired in 98 for all intents and purposes. Mm -hmm. Well, how are you? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, all things considered, yeah, doing pretty well. Yourself? Uh, great, fantastic, good. Okay, I I buy that. I believe you. It's nice out. It's like visually, it looks very nice out in Toronto because of the snow, but it's also not super cold either. Um, it's not cold, really. Oh, it was fine. I was out in shorts today. It was fine. Wow, really? Okay. Well, I'll take it. In, com- in comparison, in comparison to other days, like it's, uh, I- I'm fine with this weather. This is, this is where you're just, you're, you're acclimated to the cold. So just going up a few, a, f- a few Celsius, it's, it's hardly, it's basically s- summer. It's all about context and contrast, isn't it? You know, it you have like a really, really cold week. And so now, what is it? Like minus five, minus six feels actually like it's a nice day. I'll take it. But it- yeah, I mean, if you're from Florida or something, you had this weather. I don't know if you'd be so happy. Do you know what it was outside in, in Jacksonville tonight when they started the show? I was curious. It was 54 degrees outside, which is the equivalent of 12 Celsius outside, which is, I mean, not, uh, I mean, like, by our like winter summer. standards, not that's terrible. Like summer here. <laughs> I guess, I guess so. That's beach weather I, I don't know. for us. I'd be, I'd be kind of over it wrestling outside if, if it was like 12 Celsius outside and I'm Living in Florida, where I'm used to a lot nicer weather. Yeah, certainly. Um, not not a great setting for, I, I suppose, outdoor wrestling, but I'm sure they'll take what they can get. What's your take on, like, do you, do you run into a lot of people in the winter? I know we're, we're not out and about as much, but, like, you always see the guy that's out there 
and it's it's minus fifteen out there, and he's got to be. Look at me, I'm I'm in my shorts. Just you know, what? Why wouldn't I be in my shorts? That guy. Um, you know, good for you, man. Like clearly, I I actually have a lot of respect for people who just don't really care what other people think and just do what they want to do. And clearly, if you're running around in shorts in this weather. I th- I think that's the epitome good. of you do care what other people say. Like this is a big statement that you are making to the other people that <laughs> nice coat you've got on. It's only sub-zero weather outside. You can't handle uh bare legs in this weather. Well, why would you run in shorts if it wasn't comfortable for them? I I, I guess it was just, you think it's just a statement? I'm not even saying runners. It's like I I, I find all the time like usually it'll happen not every time you're out, but but at enough of a frequency, there's always that one person out there that's got to be, look at me. Yeah, you know what? I'll ask, the, I'll ask the guy next time when, when I see someone. I'm just going to go a off photo, to the... have a conversation, record it on your voice recorder and play yeah. it on the podcast. You know what? I'm going to go up and I'm just going to talk his ear off and see, see if the cold really does get to you. I think better yet, you should be that guy and see who comes up and talks to you. I have I have no desire to do that because I I I, I wouldn't want to do that. I'm not that uh, interested in going outside in in freezing cold weather. I, I understand the value of, of layers and protecting oneself. All right, all right. Okay. Well, keep us updated. Okay, that's all I've got tonight. So um, that's it. All right. Um, Are you excited for the uh, the wellness policy tomorrow? I think like there's. Uh, I'm going to be quite honest. I think there's a bit of pressure on you too because that was quite the debut last month. I think the people are like really stoked for this show. Way way more than uh, like a dynamite review or something. I think this is like wow. It's this is like a takeover special. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, yeah. Th- thanks. For the plug, uh, yes, tomorrow, Thursday, 3 p.m. for all cafe patrons. You can tune in live to our second episode of The Wellness Policy with me and Jordan Goodman. Uh, we'll be talking about spending a good chunk of time at the start of the show talking about the concept of habit formation and how maybe uh, you can learn it, you can use it to your advantage and how to use it to maybe fix some bad habits. And then we'll just be opening up like phone lines. I mean, you know, we do come into the, some of these shows with topics, but last time we really found out, I mean, people were just really interested in using the forum to be able to kind of speak about, you know, some of the things that they've been dealing with this over the past several months and maybe, you know, sharing advice and sharing tips that they've had in order to perhaps um, you know, feel a bit better. So uh, that's, I don't feel that much pressure, John, because like the audience really makes the show and typically like everybody comes through, uh, usually on all of our shows, but especially this one, this type of uh, topic, it feels like there's a lot of people who, you know, do want to talk. So we invite anybody who is a cafe patron to tune in tomorrow again, 3 PM, you'll have the zoom link in your mailbox right now. And, uh, of course the recording of the show will be available for everybody on, uh, inclu- on this feed, on the free feed afterwards. You know what uh, I did tonight during Dynamite? Uh, there was a break, so I decided I was going to make a tea upstairs. So I went upstairs to boil the water and make this tea. And in that time, I listened to John Ceno's entire podcast. Oh, it's a great 10-minute show. Absolutely. Like, it's amazing. I, I play it as I'm like uh, uploading it and writing the description. And by the time like I'm done tweeting it out, I finished the show. And for somebody with a bit of OCD like me, it's like a, the sense of completion is very satisfying. 
It's it's so. not just that like he is so concise with the results. Like he'll even like he gets in a witty line here or there. Like he can give you a comment. It's not like he's just reading the results either. But then it's like he take. I'm looking. It's like there's 40 seconds left. He just takes a breath and boom, pumps out 205 live and New Japan strong. And hey, this is what's on the network. It's like this is the most concise podcast that is out there. It's amazing. 11 minutes. He's like, you know, a reliable barber that you visit, maybe. Are you kidding? I've never had a haircut that short. I would, that was one of the things I hated the most about going for a haircut was how goddamn long it would take. First, first you got to wait. Then you got to sit down and then the guy's got to talk to you. And it's like, man, let's, let's pick up the pace a little bit here. And it was so like, for, this is this is like a 50-minute ordeal. This could be done in 20. Easy. So, uh, so some people prefer that style of service. Some people like to sit down, maybe, you know, learn about uh, people running around in shorts in the winter, um, really stretching it out. You know, it's more about the interaction. But some people, maybe like yourself, like to get in, get that, get that haircut, and then just get out of there. And I, I think that's what Shot in the Dark provides. Well, I know you wanted to get out of this... Uh going nowhere conversation about people wearing shorts. So I understand I did waste a bit of your time <laughs> off the top there. I just had nothing to add. And, you know, it was, it was great. Right. You know, when we did our uh, review yesterday of TakeOver, uh, we finished that show. How, how long was that show? Like two hours? About two hours, yeah. Two hours? And, mm-hmm. then, and, then, we, uh, and then we just chatted for, for a while after that. It was, it was a good time. You know, does that feel unusual these days? I mean, yes, so much because about- we never because now that we do the show live, we never have the uh, the end where we're still on the line and we talk to each other. It's just uh, you just disconnect me uh, both from Zoom and from your life, and then you don't reconnect with me until we go live the next time. So well, I, I, after- I do enjoy the Tuesday shows where I get to uh, I, I get to get a little peek behind the life of Wei Ting. Well, you know what? Maybe Beyond after- the public persona. Well, after after this podcast, uh, why don't we disconnect uh, and we can just reconnect, John, you and I privately, and we can, you know, continue a conversation. Oh, it's it's too late. It's past my bedtime on on Wednesday. That's what I worry about. You know, I don't want to hold you up. Tuesday afternoon, it's like you know, I know you're you're a bit more free, but um, you know, I'm, I'm share as much as you'd like. Hey, man, any. Anytime, um, you you just give me notice, and we can. Uh, you can always call me up to spill the tea. I'm always I'm always down. Well, a tea date? Okay. Yes. You know, actually, you I, know got, I got I got water doing? tonight, but yeah, I had tea earlier. That was uh, that was my uh, John Cena preparation. So I'm I'm definitely somebody who like I'm really bad at calling people just out of the blue with no reason. You know, I always feel like I I need a reason in order to initiate some form of contact. So. You know, it, it's it's a good thing because at least you and I, we have podcasts. You know, we have we have a business together. Like, we have reason to talk. So I don't feel as awkward if I... So the only reason I started this company with you was I, want, I wanted to stay friends with you. And I figured this is probably the best <laughs> way to do that. Because I knew you'd, you'd just move on without me. So I, I was perfectly fine just, you know, starting a, I don't know, trucking service. Well, like for, for some of my friends that I don't run podcasts or businesses with, it's like I, I really have nothing else. So I started to play chess. <laughs> I watched like the Queen's Gambit. And I really got into chess recently. So I've been online like, chess or actual chess. Online chess, like through apps. It's it's so easy now. Okay, you know you can play with anybody. So I've been like, you know, I rebuilt a a bit of a friendship with like Shu. Remember Shu? I dude, Shu, Shu betcha. <laughs> yeah, and so like I, you where's know, he? Li- he's back here now. He was he, He's everywhere. 
he like he's he was in, in Seattle for the longest time, correct? And yeah, then he works at Facebook now. Yeah, for, in, in California. So uh, anyway, so yeah, no, just like started talking to him recently again, just through playing chess. So it's like, if you want to play chess, John, join me, man. Like this, this will be it'll be fun. Okay, yeah. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll join in. It's it really tough, like for you and Shu to be having a game of chess and. Like chess is really not a three person type of operation. Oh no, you have multiple games going on at once. Oh, I see. Okay. I used to be I used to be pretty good at chess back in the Is day. that right? I was wow. part of a chess club in elementary school. Like did you study openings and, and other techniques and things like that? I, I, I wasn't I wasn't really in on the studying aspect of it and strategy. I was more one of those just like come out and ambush you and go for it all or die trying and you could you could beat a certain level of minor skilled person with that kind of onslaught but the skilled ones would just pick you apart and you you had the goldberg strategy exactly you know, that it was all it out of the first five minutes oh yeah. yeah like i would be the guy uh pawn up and i'd get the i'd get the the uh what's the uh the rook is that the one that goes diagonal the, the, no this is the bishop the bishop. I'd get the bishop out uh, to the second row, and then you could fucking go for the guy's rook at the whole other side, and that would be my strategy, just to snipe him right <laughs> at the beginning, because he'd move the pawn cool. up, and you just forget about that move, and then boom, and you'd get slaughtered, like your 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 bishop's going to die, but it's the, oh, fuck, kind of reaction. That's what I went for. That was a win for me. It's the wild ones that you, you really can't predict. You know, like the ones with technique, you kind of seen it all before. But the ones that are just, you're, you're, you're. I guess you're like more of a, like a Leonard Garcia type of fighter. You know, and you're just like swinging. You know, I love that reference, <laughs> the Leonard it's, Garcia. It's my, I, my MMA reference is from ten years ago. That's the best. So I, could I could, I could come out with one of the greatest fights ever at WEC forty eight. I could also get caught in a twister. So, <laughs> yeah, it's feast or famine. Exactly. Uh, so the wellness policy, Thursday at three, <laughs> shot in the dark, great shows. Friday night, we're live with Rewind to SmackDown. Nate Milton's got the Rocky Maivia picture show Saturday. Central Intelligence with Andrew Thompson. That should be a fun listen. And then Sunday, it's doubleheader Wei Ting Day. First, Rewind to w- Vision with Mr. W.H. Park. Episode seven as Wanda... Um, she probably isn't going to die in this episode. Maybe that'll be a few down the line, but uh, some big things happening. I can sense it. We've got three episodes left, give or take. Three, three episodes left, apparently all of them an hour long. Ugh. So The opposite of John Cena. <laughs> you're going to have to craft some time out of that schedule, John, if you're going to try to fit these in. But uh, Listen, I, I'm, I'm retracting. I'm, I'm going to say it's a maybe now because num- number one, I can't do this weekend. And now we're getting into like the big, big episodes, and I really don't want to clog a... Uh, a big episode of it for you guys. Oh, please. No, it's like, I, I should have, if crazy. you want, I should have come on like episode three. That's like my sweet spot where it's like, okay, it's early enough in the series. Now you're into like the, the championship rounds. Fine. If not, well, uh, this, this series, then definitely Falcon and Winter Soldier. We, we'd love to have you on. Do those uh, have releases yeah. yet? Or are there any rumored release dates for them? So it'll be three episodes and then it'll be a documentary about WandaVision. And then the next week is Falcon and Winter Soldier. So. A documentary? Like the making of it or a like fictional yeah. documentary? A fictional documentary. Oh. Oh, no, 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 no. A making of documentary. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like a legit documentary on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Um, but yeah, that, that's pretty much like Falcon and Winter Soldier is probably like four or five weeks away at this point. Oh, that's so, it. Shit. Yeah. That's a quick turnaround. There's going to be Marvel stuff like every single weekend. Dude, this, this has been forward. brilliant because I was on the brink of getting rid of Disney Plus, and now there's not a chance. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yep. I'm one of those suckers. Yeah. Uh, and then Sunday night, Elimination Chamber, <laughs> myself and Way, uh, we will be live right after the pay per view. Uh, how I will watch this pay per view, I have no uh, no idea as of today at Wednesday night, but I'm going to find a way. I will. Okay. You just, you know, uh, two times speed. Three times speed, whatever you need to do. That's that's really tough for live shows, but uh, we, we'll figure it out. Uh, <laughs> it's going to happen. I'll be here by some uh, measure. So all of that you can find postwrestling.com. Let's zip through the news. We uh, we don't have uh, too much to talk about. For Raw, I mainly just want to talk about uh, the curiosity some might have had about the gauntlet match. So this week, the show, uh, it was up. Last week, they just plummeted. It was their lowest numbers of the year. So this week, they were up. In viewers, 1,810,000 viewers, a 0.57 in the demo. That was up 16%. So most of their demos all uh, back up this week. Uh, but the curiosity was about that third hour. And there were still some some big drops in the third hour among adults 18 to 34, women 12 to 34. And uh, of those, uh, they were both down over 22%. In the third hour, some others uh, all under 10%. So there were some where it was a big drop. I wouldn't say the gauntlet was a big hit, although in some it, it minimized uh, the losses. This was, I would say, like a not quite average number of raw. I would say slightly below average raw number, but certainly looks good when you're comparing it to last week. And the demo figure, uh, again, it was up 16% and they were uh, tied for first on cable Monday night. So you can look at it from from that side of things. I, I honestly believe if the gauntlet was not placed in the third hour, I think you would have actually seen a lot a, a more su- success for that gauntlet if you didn't kind of have it telegraphed that this is going to be the entire hour. Because we had seen in the past, this is going back years, when they had done Iron Man matches on Raw, and the trend would be people would tune in at the beginning, there's a big tune out, and then they'd come back in the final 10 minutes because... They knew when the climax was going to be not as telegraphed with a gauntlet match, but I think everyone realized this is going the full hour. And if you want to see the conclusion, it's not going to be happening at 1030. It's going to be happening at the last 10 minutes of the show. Right. So you think they should have started? I would have maybe just put it. I would have maybe just put it into uh, earlier in the show, but I guess that was the big thing you wanted to go off the air with. And what were you going to close the show if not for that, I guess that was the thinking. Could have just uh, lit someone on fire or, you know, Alexa Bliss could have cackled on the screens for an additional 10 minutes. Different ideas. That's next week. Yeah, that's stuff you got to save as well. So that was Raw. Um, some other stories to get to. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp at uh, Fightful reported today um, that uh, – Show in development, uh, the NXT Evolve concept, it looks like they they have shot content for this. Uh, no official announcement regarding uh, this show, where it would air, when it will air, but it seems to be like this is heavy in development, the idea of doing a NXT Evolve. And I think, way this makes all the sense in the world, given the the all the signings, um, and it looks like they are about to introduce a stack class uh, of just more names and numbers. And we've talked about this so many times that, you know, NXT, it's 
it's part, uh, you know, this two hour Tuesday night or Wednesday night show, but it's also trying to serve as a funnel to develop younger talent, get them experience. And the TV show on Wednesday nights is not the platform for that. So this seemed inevitable and something that, you know, it, it makes total sense to be, you know, their, their next big, uh, project. And it seems like a lot of them in terms of, you know, expanding, uh, you know, just m- making more content. This seemed like a logical one. I'd always wondered. I mean, it's interesting that this conversation kind of comes off of us talking about NXT Our Evolution in 2014, which was a pretty pivotal show, I think, in showcasing, you know, that change from simply developmental to being the super indie that it is today. And I, I feel like I feel like for years I've been wondering, hey, like NXT is really changing from what it was supposed to be initially. And certainly once they moved to USA, that became um, uh, just that much more apparent. So I feel like something like this is a long time coming. What did surprise me was them using the Evolve name. I wonder how much of the branding from Evolve they'll be keeping or if it's just simply, you know, the name itself. Um, from reports, it sounds like Borash and Gabe Sapolsky have a lot to do with this one. And I would be really interested to see what stylistic differences, maybe what booking differences we might see in this versus NXT proper. Maybe, uh, yeah, it's to, to me that that's very interesting. I think you look at at those names involved and seeing like a creative vision from them. Like certainly, you know, Jeremy Borash, we have seen a lot of the digital content that they have put out and involved in, you know, just m- many different features um, that that department has been responsible for. Um, yeah, I, I think that there will be a lot of curiosity for this just to see kind of a, a, di- a different vision as well in terms of how this is all uh, presented and such. But I, I'm interested to see it for sure. And it's, it is an outlet that they need. And I guess the next question is once you are back to any kind of uh, ability to tour, like this would be one where uh, c- could you take this around the Florida loop and be doing shows? Could you go elsewhere? Could you put a bit of a, um, uh, if the show has a bit of buzz to it, could you take it to other markets and run in small buildings that would attract people outside of Florida? Because the, the goal here is getting reps for people, getting match experience, and then funnel them up to your NXTs, your NXT UKs, and and other d- different areas. But this can be kind of your starting block once you're developed in the PC and ready to work in front of crowds. I think it would really be of service for them to... I know that they're filming all this content for the network. Everything, every wrestling match that takes place, I'm sure, you know, is being considered for, like, extra content. But I think it would be of service to plenty of people on that roster to have things that aren't aired. You know, even for people that are... Potentially will have to, you know, leave the main roster, maybe even leave NXT and move down in order to refresh themselves, in order to tinker and play around with something, maybe in front of a live audience, maybe maybe just in front of the Performance Center um, talent you know, to, to, sh- to workshop that doesn't get aired, uh, but certainly live touring would, would go a long way for something like that. Well, they have done some of those shows like inside, like just for like during this time where they they haven't been touring. So they have done like some like in-house uh, shows like that, but you're talking about something more, more permanent about uh, just, you know, workshopping ideas and stuff. Uh, so this will be an interesting story to watch develop and, and where this series ends up uh, landing. Uh, we didn't talk about this Monday, but wanted to get your thoughts. Um, not not something that I can say is uh, it, like it seemed like the next logical direction after we talked about all the third party restrictions that were they really clamped down on last September um, th- 
throughout October. Uh, Wrestling Inc. was reporting on Monday that the latest policy uh, regarding uh, its talent and third parties, uh, it's now a restriction that you cannot monetize any products on your Twitter or Instagram, which to me was the next logical step. Like once you were talking about Cameo and Twitch, you knew that Twitter and Instagram were going to follow. It's, you know, more restrictions on your talent. And I think that this, I I don't have much more to say other than what we talked about last fall, that if this is something where talent is losing money, it's, it's really unfortunate, but the company, this is always going to be a battle of push and pull. Like how much can we push on our talent and what resistance will we get? And what we saw with Twitch and Cameo was largely talent obeying the restrictions with one exception in Zelina Vega. And what we have here is, you know, further restrictions that I I can't imagine that there's going to be too many people uh, publicly voicing their displeasure about this because I think like this this was largely set in place that you knew this was going to be coming. All the precedent for everything that took place this week was already set back then. So I, I think the outcry, uh, if it wasn't really heard back then, I don't see much getting through this time around. I don't even sense that much of it publicly from the audience this time around, because I think this was already a pretty, you know, very much expected move. Uh, you know, I do feel bad for a lot of the talent who, kind of relies on some of the, some of this stuff um more so than maybe what they would even make as a wrestling performer somebody like you know alana for instance um who i believe had like it was making a, a good amount of money through you know various uh sponsorships and things like that uh again the big argument here is like this independent contractor thing and what rights wwe has uh to extend something like this but i i suppose the wording of these contracts are such that they feel like they have enough grounds to you know control your uh, likeness yeah control all this stuff so i i do wonder there was a lot of talk from people like andrew yang back in the fall about fighting this fight um do you see much of that continuing um i i mean there's been nothing since like there's there's been no nothing public i mean andrew yang's running for mayor of new york so i don't know Mm -hmm. if this is a a high priority for him uh, this many months removed what like it's obviously like very similar to when when the UFC uh limited when they they really clamped down on on sponsorships like you had sponsors that had to pay a sponsorship tax just to be able to sponsor the fighters which already made it very difficult for sponsors to be able to justify that kind of cost and you know with the Reebok deal introduced like you saw fighters like the 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 selling point to the fighters was, hey, you're going to be guaranteed this and you don't have to go out and sell it yourself. You're going to be guaranteed this. But for ones that were pulling in in the heyday, just these gigantic sponsorship uh, figures for each fight and then get reduced, like that was a tough pill to swallow. Where this will play itself out is when talent is, their contracts are up and when they will either go in and say, hey, I over the course of this last contract, this is the outside sponsorship revenue that I was precluded from uh, being able to take in. I want my, I want an increase to reflect that. That's what I feel I'm worth. And then it also becomes interesting when you look at like, this is pretty clear. It's very black and white about what you are and are not allowed to do as a WWE talent. And do you look at it as 
like, let's just throw out random figures here. Is it more enticing for me to get a, let's just say, $400,000 downside in WWE with the restrictions that come with this versus, let's say, two hundred and fifty in AEW, 200 in AEW, but I have the ability to monetize outside. I have a lot more freedom as a performer there. Um, for, for some, it's like, hey, the highest bidder that I'm going to take the highest downside possible. Uh, but for some, this this might make a difference for them because they want to be able to have that freedom. And much like I, I think with a, a Bellator or an AEW, like they are kind of the, if you don't like those restrictions, there's... There is an option over here, and that can become a selling point when you are the competitor. I think it's another chip for you know a company like AEW or Impact or ROH to be able to say that they can offer that you know a WWE wouldn't. And yeah, like they might not be able to compete financially dollar for dollar, but all these other freedoms I think do add up for several people. But that'll depend on the person and their financial situations at home. And the last thing, uh, Tetsuya Naito missed today's uh, show for New Japan due to a knee injury, and he's also going to be off Friday and Saturday show because of said knee injury. Uh, he came out today, apologized. He was supposed to team with Sonata against Kota Ibushi and Yuji Nagata, so instead they did a singles match with Sonata beating Yuji Nagata, but he did state uh, he will be fine for his match with Kota Ibushi at the end of the month, uh, but obviously significant if Naito is missing dates. So uh, we'll be missing at least uh, three matches if you include today's. And Sunday show in uh, Fukushima has been canceled uh, because of the recent earthquake uh, that led to damage to the building. So they've canceled that show on Sunday and then they'll resume, I believe it's Monday, that they're at Q and Hall in the lead up to Castle Attack next weekend. It's something we don't hear about too often here. Uh, show canceled via damage from an earthquake um but it's a reality of life over there my brother in tokyo i think felt remnants of it oh really yeah it was crazy so um yeah hope everybody is safe let's get into tonight's shows and we'll talk about a uh, dynamite which uh was live tonight from daily's place and immediately we started off with hangman page and matt hardy taking on th2 who jumped Page and Hardy at the uh, beginning. And early on, Hardy and Page worked together. They got the advantage on Jack Evans. Matt was able to hit a side effect out of the corner. Page was tagged, hit this big spine buster and flying clothesline. A great hot tag here from Page. Does a fallaway slam right into the Pescado. Hardy comes in and TH2 regained the advantage. Evans doesn't fully hit the Phoenix Splash. And then they do the assisted flip where Evans is uh, flipped over. Uh, being kicked off of Angelico, and then boom, out of nowhere, it's a double buckshot lariat, and Hardy hits the twist of fate with Angelico pretty much taking a handstand to sell this, and Hardy pins Angelico in seven minutes and three seconds. I thought it was a pretty okay match, you know. For um, I I did feel like much, most of this though was mm, negligible because uh, much of it I think was more about the story afterwards. I think Hangman is just like a great TV wrestler throughout yes. this this whole period that we're like you put him in a tag singles like he just comes off as just very polished, very crisp with everything he does. It just seems every everything is clicking with Hangman Page after the match. 
Hardy says, give it up for Hangman. You look like a billion bucks. You look like a peacock deal. Paige is going to make a lot of money, and I get 30% of it. Paige mentions at the bar last week, a good friend of his said to always have your own set of papers. And Hardy did not look at the papers before they were executed. Paige has the papers brought out by the Jaguars mascot, and Hardy reads it over and realizes this is not for control of Paige's earnings. This is for a match at Revolution. And if Hangman wins, he gets 100% of Matt Hardy's earnings for Q1. He calls Paige a carny, and he wants Paige to put up something and put up your entire earnings for the first quarter of the year. And they will have the money match at Revolution. Hardy says you're finished. And then the mascot attacks Paige, revealing it to be Isaiah Cassidy. And Matt Hardy offers $3,700 for TH2 to come attack. So they're all out attacking Paige when the Dark Order, including Brody Jr., run out onto the stage, make the save. Hardy tosses Allen Angels to the floor and then ducks a buckshot lariat and escapes. Paige is left in the ring with the Dark Order and gives a nod and smiles that the Dark Order had his back. So way Q1 earnings on the line at Revolution. <laughs> um, we'll have to wait for that conference call to see how much they each earned during Q1. You know, this whole story and I think this scene in particular have all been incredibly like hokey, ridiculous pro wrestling. And I almost got the sense that they were really just kind of playing up the camp value of it all here. Like, <laughs> you didn't sign a contract for this. You signed a contract for a match. Like, With all your money at stake. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And I do think at this point, it really is being played for humor and comedy. Um, so it, it it just adds a bit of an interesting stipulation for this match. I can't say it's a bi- you know, big match at all, but for an undercard match on this show, yeah, why not? I thought it was really funny how Matt brought up like $3,700 as a specific number for TH2 to to attack um, uh, uh, Paige. I also like the nice little lot knot they gave to Alan Angels here, who had a very kind of like angry, fired up moment looking at Matt Hardy. And of course, this is playing off of uh, his BTE character, who is very much in love with Paige and um, hasn't been able to let the man know. So he took this attack very personally. So um, it was really ridiculous pro wrestling, but I do kind of like the tie back here to Dark Order. So it suggests that Paige is still back with them. I like the segment. I thought I, I thought I thought it worked well. Um, and you, you have like, you know, a bit of a story for this, this pay-per-view, um, which is fine. Marvez is with the inner circle. Santana and Ortiz note it's their first tag title shot after 18 months. And it's due to fear. No one wants to face them. MJF takes over. He says, Sammy Guevara crossed the line with zero evidence last week. I wasn't recording you. Why would I do that? There was a camera on me. He says, Sammy needs to apologize. Jericho tells MJF to shut up. Everyone has been watching Dynamite. Everyone has seen these segments of you goading Sammy Guevara week after week. And he blames MJF for some of it, but the majority is Sammy's fault. Jericho says, Sammy, you had a week of bad decisions. And the worst one you made was leaving the inner circle. Sammy, you are dead to me. 
and I don't want to ever hear his name again. So, you know, we we definitely criticized um, the whole tape recording thing yesterday and how nonsensical it was, and we weren't really the only ones. But of course, there are many people also defending it, saying how this is all part of a plan, you know, like MJF clearly knows and that he was doing all this. Um, I don't buy it for a second that this was always the way it was supposed to be. This felt like a very reactionary um, uh, dialogue. It really would, it it would be so convoluted. And I think so, why would they open up up themselves to, you know, criticism like that if if this was at all like part of the plan? So I do feel like this was, in my opinion, uh, very much an error and a blemish in the whole story. But I do appreciate the effort they made here in trying to make sense of it when they could have easily ignored it. Perhaps, you know, having Jericho explain it this way might have been the best type of explanation they could have come up with while still continuing the thread of this story, which is MJF, or, or sorry, uh, now the inner circle banded together against Sammy Guevara. Um, I would just like really lighten up on all the invisible camera shit so much now in the future. Um, what do you think is the, uh, what do you do now with Sammy Guevara? Oh, there was a little line in there too, right? About Jericho saying he made a lot of bad decisions this week. And uh, leaving the inner circle was the wrong, was the worst of it. Which we should, we um, should mention about like the impact stuff was that Sammy was going to be at the impact tapings. And then, uh, you know, whatever the creative direction was, it, it led to Sammy not doing the tapings. And it's kind of hard to, to really uh, judge because you don't know what the plans were. And I think sometimes people immediately go to, oh, like the performer somehow the the gall to call into question any of the plans when you don't know what they are. It's like here, here we're talking about, um, you know, just going back to like the social media story about, you know, talent that are, you know, their own brand and kind of like, that's kind of what you have to look out for as a performer. So it's really hard to gauge when you don't know what the plans were, but I don't easily just, you know, choose a side here over this. Like he may have been completely justified at what was laid out for him and just questioning, like, why are we doing things this way? Maybe there's a different way that we can do uh, it as well. So I don't always see these stories as a cut and dry one way or the other without knowing more details. Yeah. It's hard to say. Maybe someday we'll find out, but for now it's like, we can only go by the reporting. And there were some reports that, um, you know, what impact an AEW's relationship might be strained of this, but like Meltzer said, there was no heat on Guevara. So like it, whatever, everything we hear is kind of hearsay. Right. So I, I, I don't imagine this will impact the story that much. I feel like they'll just carry on. Um, it would have been nice. I think to have Guevara on impact as sort of, you know, an extension of this storyline as a way to further deepen that impact AEW crossover relationship. But without it, I think it'll be just as fine. They showed highlights of the uh, the Japanese bracket of the Women's Eliminator Tournament uh, with Yuka Sakazaki defeating uh, Mai Suruga, Emi Sakura over Benny, Ro Mizunami over Maki Ito, and Aja Kong defeating Rin Katakura. And I, I, I haven't had a chance yet to watch the matches. I am planning to do that this week. Uh, did you get to see any of the matches? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, it was... It was fun just to kind of get a get a get to see a new crop of, well, mostly a new new fresh crop of talent that we hadn't seen on AEW before. Uh, very impressed with Vinny, and I really enjoyed Maki Ito. 
like entrant and charisma and all she's not going to be a character that you'll be expecting five star classics out of she's not um i kind of like classify her more as sort of a an attraction on the level of somebody like an orange cassidy you know um the moment she gets there in the u.s in front of a crowd everybody's gonna go nuts for her so uh charisma is off the charts and i she did not advance but i i really can see aew bring her in later so um, on Monday on YouTube, they're going to be continuing the tournament with Ty Conti versus Nyla Rose, Anna Jay versus Britt Baker on the U.S. side, and then the semifinals with Yuka Sakazaki versus Emi Sakura and Ro Mizunami versus Aja Kong for Monday. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Jim Ross and Shivani both complimented Excalibur on his commentary. Yes, yeah, he was great. Uh, giving like he really is the perfect guy for this job. So I mean, it's it's just really crazy to think that for years the, the man did not have a bigger role on a national program. Because um, man, they're really getting their value out of him doing dark, doing this show, doing the women's tournament. He he's uh, such a valuable resource. So the tournament uh, continued on Dynamite with Serena Deeb against Riho. They mentioned this is it's been 48 weeks since Rio last appeared on Dynamite. Uh, she got a welcome back chant, and the winner of this match advances to take on Thunder Rosa. Uh, so early on, Rio uh, is bridging on her neck, escapes the grip of Deeb, and then goes for a tiger faint kick and gets caught and then catapulted from underneath into the rope. Uh, during the picture in picture, Doc Sampson is over examining Serena Deeb's knee that she's selling uh, and then goes for a suplex. The knee gives out and Rio hit a high cross, but Deeb rolls through and she goes after Rio's knee. So both are attacking the knee. Rio eventually hits a tiger faint kick and then a double stomp to the back. There's a dragon screw in the ropes by Deeb further injuring the knee and then power bomb and applies a stretch muffler. It's countered with a cradle. Then Rio goes to this northern lights, which looked awesome. She hits a foot stomp off the top. And then the final sequence, they're just going back and forth here. We almost got the uh, the deep talks, which was countered. Rio goes for a European clutch. Deeb counters that with a cradle, and then Rio catches her with the Gato clutch and wins the match. I thought this was a really strong match. I thought so too. Pretty fantastic. It was nice to see, like, because Deeb to me is somebody who I think has been maintaining the quality of wrestling in this division in the absence of a lot of wrestlers uh, who weren't able to make it back post-pandemic. So it was really nice to see her in there with somebody who was probably the best wrestler in there pre-pandemic in Riho. I thought the chemistry these two had was really good, good technical wrestling, pretty ambitious, but like well-executed near falls. And it was the type of match where like both of them were more over afterwards, which I think is very difficult to do, uh, but they needed to do it because Deep, of course, is the NWA Women's Champion. So she can't just simply, you know, suffer any sort of defeat in a match like this, nor could Riho making her first return in a year, almost a year. So, uh, but, you know, you, they gave Deep the excuse of having the knee injury, um, sort of a nail biter finish. And of course, you know, Riho being a former champion, I thought this was a loss that was completely justified and showed you how you don't always have to rely on shitty DQ finishes or distraction finishes in order to get out of a booking situation like this. Deeb lost, but I thought she still got something out of this match. And it was the type of match where you feel like if you're watching it and if this was a real fight, if they did a rematch, it can really go either way. 
again. I, I think you, you definitely do the rematch for the title. Like after this, like if Rio doesn't win mm-hmm. the tournament, this is a match you can do on TV several weeks or whenever you want. I thought I thought this was a really strong match from the two. Then we got as promoted training footage for Shaq and Jade Cargill, who apparently are getting ready to play two on two in a couple of weeks because they're playing basketball. Jade Cargill is training as Shaq is on the court at the side, just watching Jade Cargill. This thing was so cheesy. Like you've got the slow motion walk of Jade. They go to a close up of Shaq, like watching the basket and nodding. Yeah. She's finally getting it down. What was yeah. this? This was so, this was so cheesy. <laughs> like, dude, I thought this was a joke. Like, I didn't even know what what are they training for here. So I think their involvement with Shaq has been like, "Hey, uh, Shaq's free for two hours. Uh, let's shoot something." Like that. That to me has been the extent of Shaq's involvement in AEW. Is like, what time is Shaq available? Let's get Jade down there. Let's get a camera down there. Uh, we don't really have any sort of angle or promo setup. Let's just film them playing basketball. Like. That's pretty much what you had here. Uh, it would have been nice to hear at least one of them speak, cut a promo, but perhaps they're saving that for the weeks ahead because we still have a few weeks to go for this. We have two weeks. We have two weeks left for this. It's, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what this, uh, what comes of this. It's like it's just an excuse to get Shaq's face. That's it. I mean, it's th- this is not going to be ultimately graded on match quality. It's going to be graded based upon spotlight that this attracts. Orange Cassidy and Luther. So originally it was going to be uh, an eight-man tag that they had promoted. uh, And then instead they changed this. It was going to be Hangman, Matt Hardy, and Private Party against Butcher, Blade, uh, Luther, and Serpentico. And then they they flipped it. It was TH2 and Chaos. Sorry, TH2 and Luther and Serpentico. Then they changed it to Cassidy against Luther and made Page and Hardy just a straight-up tag which, if you notice, when uh, the mascot revealed himself to be Isaiah Cassidy, uh, there was no Mark Quinn that we saw. So Interesting. I'm, okay. Yeah. So that was probably the well. Maybe uh, they couldn't the get two costumes. <laughs> well, uh, they couldn't fit them both in there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, maybe that was it. Way uh, this was quick. Serpentico dove onto Taylor. And then Luther hit a kick and a power bomb. Orange Cassidy stops an apron bomb and power bombs Luther to the floor, which is not fun once you're uh, uh, Luther's age. And then Serpentico was hit with the awful waffle, orange punch by Cassidy, and he pinned Luther in a minute 50. Very short. I guess just a, yeah, a short reminder of Orange Cassidy as a wrestler. Is that is what this was? I found it kind of weird, to be honest. I didn't think it really showcased like your typical Orange Cassidy personality, nor did you really get to see much of him as a wrestler. Um, Way they like... had advertised a Luther match, they had to deliver a Luther match on TV. True. Okay. Right. Taz. Taz comes out with Brian Cage and Hook. They mentioned that they've been heavily fined for dragging Darby Allen on a car last week. No sign of Darby. Ricky Starks, they say, is not here due to the weather in Texas. Taz said that Sting sent the snow down to Texas. Have you been following like the uh, all the the power outages in Texas? 
I've not no, but dude, um, it's crazy. Yeah. Like their grid is like it's like all these counties are like without power. It's like oh. it's and they're having like record low temperatures there as well. Like it's really insane. So apparently, Tully Blanchard was one of the people who couldn't make it. Yeah, Tully was not here tonight. That's right. Yeah, he was uh, as well. Um, although they are advertising uh, Darby Allen for next week's show, which mm. should be the taped show. So uh, tomorrow. Yeah, that's typically what they do. They tape it the Thursday. So at least they're advertising him for that. Sting comes out and he is warned about entering the ring. Taz says, all you've got is your bat. Without your bat, you're done. They drag Darby to FTW World. Area code unknown. Probably in Florida where all the theme parks are. Well, I I think that Ron DeSantis' uh, slogan last year and this year has been <laughs> FTW. <laughs> Sting tosses the bat aside and then he attacks Brian Cage. He knocks down Hook and this allows Cage to get Sting lifts up Sting and gives him the spinal stenosis bomb right onto the mat and leaves him there. Oh, man. This is pretty much, like, this was telling you that Sting is going to take bumps in this match. That was pretty much what this segment was for. That's how I took it, you know. Uh, for, For one thing, there was finally a bit of physicality in this program, but it was not physicality. Well, we did have a guy getting dragged in the back of a car last week, I suppose. There was but, that. <laughs> but well, we had an actual wrestling move in this program now, and it, I did not imagine that it would be Sting that was taking it. So showing us that he is cleared to take some bumps. Really selling, like, the back of his head, too. You know, like, you think intentionally to make you think that. I mean, that's the first bump he would have taken in five years. Yeah, crazy. At Unless least on he took TV. something off camera to prepare for this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Eddie Kingston is with the family. Kingston has requested the six-man tag tonight against the three demons in his life, Lance Archer, Phoenix, and Moxley. Goes over his history with Lance, says Phoenix is a waste of space. He just wanted his brother. And his old friend Moxley, he's the demon he needs to get rid of most. Nothing he does can get rid of Moxley. Not drinking, not pills, or women. The only thing that can get rid of this demon is by beating Moxley. So, this is quite the rehab program. It's a four-step program. You know, <laughs> this is tried a, you, you alcohol, gotta beat this drugs, man in a fight. Women. Uh, this could have. I don't know how they come up with some of these match matches. I mean, these guys are all free, and one, uh, three of them are heels, three of them are baby faces. You could just kind of slap them together, but like you can always rely on somebody like Eddie Kingston to like piece it all together into a strong narrative that makes makes it all make sense and gives you a reason why Lance Archer, Moxley, and Phoenix are all paired together. Uh, so great promo from him. Alex Marvez is with Kenny Omega. Don Callis and Michael Nakazawa in a room with a bunch of kids. Uh, Don Callis, by the way, um, I don't know if this guy is living inside of a tanning bed or they just locked him in one and came back next the next week. He was noticeably far more orange than anybody else in this room. Yeah, noticeably more orange than than typical, even. Maybe the golf course. He just stayed out there for a bit long. Uh, what, a month? There's a lot of sun this man has taken in. So Kenny has the Young Bucks book and reads it to this group of children. And he asked, the kids are asking if there's any pictures. Are those two in love? 
pointing to the cover of Matt and Nick. And Kenny reads an excerpt about how business w- shot through the roof or j- driz- business went up drastically at Wrestle Kingdom 12 for Omega and Jericho. And then they have to wrap it up due to time. And they're trying to usher Omega out. The kids want Kenny to stay and play. Instead, they offer him Nakazawa, but they hate Michael Nakazawa. And Jim Ross asked, what the hell is going on uh, with, with Kenny? This was a bizarre segment. It had its mm-hmm. – anytime you can like uh, – like I, I thought like there there was a chance for this to be like a really funny segment. I don't, I don't think it quite met its mark. I don't really – yeah, so uh, so the, the idea is that what? Kenny's just uh, mocking the Bucks somehow and taking credit for their success? Is that and it? Big timing these little kids, doing his little like photo op with them. Right, right, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was I I will say it's like it was really unusual for me to see like children on like a wrestling TV show, you know, like at this point. It's it's been a while since like we've seen them do kind of outdoor segments. We didn't see them do like golf course things, people in their house, but like I've I've not I've yeah, it was kind of strange seeing like a classroom, you know, in a pet. Couldn't thing, do this in pandemic. Toronto right now. No, not at all. Well, schools are open. But um, not yet, aren't they? Um, I think they opened at least the one across you know where I live opened th- today. Okay. Uh, oh, today. But, but I believe all the children wear masks, which I guess it, it was somewhat optional for for this school. The Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz for the tag titles. Uh, the Bucks parents are in the front row. And the inner circle come out for the match. They note the winners of this match will face Jericho and MJF at Revolution. Omega, Good Brothers, and Don Callis are watching in the back. And uh, this match, I thought, was was very strong. Early on, uh, the inner circle gets ejected by Rick Knox. And they get the heat on Nick uh, throughout the entire commercial break. He eventually makes the tag to Matt. And they double-team Santana. And more bang for your buck gets stopped. Santana, who was great in this match, hit this uh, avalanche falcon arrow off the top for a two count. Ortiz used the Koji clutch on Nick. That's broken by the top rope elbow from Matt. The Bucks come back with a doomsday device, a double super kick, and then they go for the BTE trigger. And Santana gets out of the way, so the Bucks crash knees. Oh, man, this looked like I'm just imagining. Like, if this really happened, you know how much that would hurt? Full blast, your knees go into one another. Oh, my God. Just be like, God, that would suck. Yeah, your knees in your 30s, like, not a great thing. So they catch the Bucks with a double cutter. And then the street sweeper. And this save by Matt was literally done as, like, Rick Knox's hand was, like, grazing the canvas. It was, like, a very late save. Uh, Matt gets powerbombed into the crowd right next to his parents. And as Ortiz is chanting, we are the best, the best, he walks right into an inside cradle and gets pinned by Nick. Uh, but I thought Santana and Ortiz were, were they look great in this match. I, I enjoyed this a lot. Totally agree. This felt like, you know, it was a match for those two in particular to be able to say, hey, you haven't really heard from us in a while. Like, here's who, this is who we are. Um, don't sleep on us. Uh, I think by far they're the best team in the inner circle as much focus as there's been 
on Sammy Hagar or MJF and Jericho. I mean, it's Proud and Powerful who are who should be the tag team of that division. And soon, I really thought like there was considerable doubt about the result of this match, seeing how it's MJF and Jer- Jer- Jericho with the title shot. Um, I think a storyline that would have worked itself out would be Santana and Ortiz winning it and going o- over the revolution to defend the titles. So I thought there was like, you know, considerable doubt about this outcome. Um, I certainly would have liked to have seen them treated a bit more seriously as contenders. There was a lot more story I think you could have told of Jericho and, and, and MJF not wanting these two to win. And, you know, or even Proud and Powerful complaining that they've been overlooked by a team, for instance, like Jericho and MJF, and that they're the only team in the inner circle that matters. Like, And I understand like you're already trying to establish the Sammy thing. Maybe this week's not the week to do it. But I, I do feel like they could have, Proud and Powerful could have used a bit more focus in the lead up to this one. Uh, instead, it just kind of felt like a really good, but a bit of a throwaway match. I, I'm with you. I thought that there was some interesting stuff you could have done with Santana Ortiz. First of all, you do a big upset on TV. It would have been really noteworthy. And you have Jericho, like the natural response is that they're going to like lay down for us and he can justify it by, hey, we won the match. We are the team that to represent the inner circle, be a team player. And you could build this up for like two weeks of how are Santana and Ortiz going to react. And you could also inject Sammy back into things at Revolution where you kind of have this divide. Santana and Ortiz now suddenly don't have this same loyalty because Jericho and MJF are taking advantage of them uh, after they did the hard work and beat the Young Bucks. It certainly does make you wonder, like with Sammy being gone, um, whether or not the inner circle is starting to, you know, like whether there's a sort of a endpoint in in the group now beginning with Sammy and then maybe starting with some of the these other teams or if the whole thing's a bit of a ruse Sammy comes back and you, the original five continue right but if i i definitely think like Santana and Ortiz um are going to be great baby faces whenever that's the case and that feud right now if it's out there with MJF and Jer or and Jericho uh, that feels very natural if they ever choose to do it there's a lot of different ways you can go. You can go that. You can go. It could be like MJF and Sammy Guevara are plotting this this whole thing. Yeah. Like there's, there's a lot Jericho's of different ways out. they can go. I, I'm pretty sure like this, wherever it goes, I, I'm sure they have it pretty mapped out. And I'm pretty confident it's going to be a, a satisfying climax. The inner circle run back out and they jump uh, the young bucks. Omega and the Good Brothers are just kind of watching. Omega's pretending to be concerned as the Good Brothers go off screen. Brandon Cutler runs down and gets slammed onto the stage by Jake Hager, while Jericho uh, applies the Lion Tamer to Nick. MJF puts Matt in the salt of the earth. Both Young Bucks are tapping. And then the Good Brothers come out, and Jericho goes up to Papa Buck, who shoves Jericho uh, the mother is looking petrified here, and I thought for sure we were getting an angle where Jericho was going to attack the father, but they didn't go there. They left it. Oh, you don't mess with Papa Buck. Well, I, I thought for sure we were getting this, but no. I want to see him do a super kick. You know, if they're there, that could be an angle they do next week with, with the dad. True. Right. So you could save that. Then we come back from break. Brandy Rhodes is on the screen, and says she's been trying to figure out how to do the gender reveal. So let's just do it on Dynamite. 
Cody legit, she says, doesn't know the gender of the baby. We're going to do this right now. Now, I, I truly believe, I say this about Raw, so it's only fair. If they promoted a gender reveal, I, I, I think that's something you announce in advance. I think so, too. Um, but I, this felt weird. Like, I didn't like seeing this on the show. Like, it felt like it would have fit more in a YouTube channel and not a segment on Dynamite. It was very, I mean, it was, I don't know. Dynamite, I guess, has become the place for, like, major life announcements for Cody, Brandy, John Moxley. Uh, like this so is where- Moxley announcing it through a wrestling promo as a reason why he's so much more focused now because he's about to be a father. That is one thing. That is, like, that has to do with the product itself. He, he's a wrestling character. Something like this feels really shoehorned into it. It feels like they're trying to do a YouTube or a reality show segment in the middle of a wrestling show. Um, and I just, I thought it was really odd. Well, Cody and Brandy come out and they're going to be having a girl. And then with that, FTR cut off the video and came out and Cody went over to commentary. Yeah. Well, congratulations to them. That's one. Congratulations. Yeah, um, I just, I thought it was a really weird segment. <laughs> I think they just obviously, like, it didn't, you know, fit in any one place. I think they just, they wanted to announce it on the show, so they did it here. Yeah, they're uh, trying, like, I, I guess, you know, Cody and, and Brandy are, well, like, kind of the first couple of this company. They, they've they sort of adopted that moniker, and maybe they feel, you know, a connection with the audience enough to be able to share news like this. Um, Sure, so sure. Maybe somebody appreciated it. FTR versus Matt and Mike Seidel. So we've got Cody Rhodes on commentary. And they announced that at Revolution, there is going to be a face of the Revolution ladder match. It's going to be six participants with the first three being Cody Rhodes, Scorpio Sky, and Penta. With three more to be announced. And the winner will get a shot at the TNT title. So very, very cool. money in the bank like. Mm-hmm. Any excuse for a ladder match? Yeah, why not? Sure. Uh, Cash Wheeler early on. This was a great spot. Mike Seidel is up in the corner delivering punches to Dax, and Cash just scales up and German suplexes him off of the turnbuckle. Uh, Matt Seidel gets the tag after the break. He's throwing kicks all over the place. Mike hits a moonsault to the floor on both members of FTR. And then Matt gets sent into the ropes and blasted with an uppercut from Cash on the floor. They're attacking him two-on-one. There's a Tornado DDT that Cash blocks and Dax hits a powerbomb. Tiger suplex by Cash. Mike's, Mike makes the save. And then we get Mike twisting off the top. And it looked like he came down on Cash's face. But he appeared to be fine from this. It wasn't the smoothest uh, dive off the top. Um, he gets his foot on the rope, and then Matt is crotched by Dax. There's a blind tag, and they catch Mike with the big rig for the win. I thought it was a fun match. I, I really like the Seidel's as a tag team. I think, really, Matt Seidel might be better off as a tag team wrestler in AEW because tag teams are actually pushed like they're made of enters. And as a team, like their style fits really well with the Bucks and Private Party and even an FTR like their the house style of AEW really kind of suits a, a high flying team like that. So it was fun to watch them. FTR a great 
just uh, especially mm-hmm. with like flyers it's just yeah. they they were very smooth in the in this match it was uh you know a fun television match that they had so after the match they grab doc sampson's uh kit and they have the scissors and they go to cut mike's hair the lights go out and on the screen is a shot of luchasaurus's mask that had been uh destroyed and we see his his silhouette and then Jurassic Express, all three of them, including the previously kidnapped Marco stunt, appear in the ring, and Luchasaurus has a new mask and has regrown the horns. Regrown the horns, yeah. Yep. No, they, those horns, they grow fast. Well, that's uh that's recuperative ability. They what attack that, kid, that kidnapping. It's just like how did he escape? Um uh Maybe, maybe uh, last week we were fooled and Marco had a stunt double. <laughs> There's a snare trap applied to Dax. Luchasaurus chokeslams Cash and Jungle Express stand tall and they start doing Jungle Boy's theme in the crowd. So that thing is going to be very popular. Oh, it already is. Yeah. Next week, they announce Hangman Page against Isaiah Cassidy with Matt Hardy in his corner. Britt Baker and Anna Jay against Nyla Rose and Tynara Conti. Ricky Starks and Brian Cage against the Varsity Blondes and Jake Hager versus Brandon Cutler. But the big show is March the 3rd and not the big show show. Uh, we're going to get the conclusion of the women's tournament in two weeks. Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet against Shaquille O'Neal and Jade Cargill. But the real main event is Jurassic Express. All three of them against FTR and Tully Blanchard. That's that's a big return. Man. I can't wait. To me, way, way more interested in this than the Shaq match. If we Whoa. get a promo like this guy gave at Heroes of Wrestling in 1999 from Tully. When was the last time he wrestled? Dude, it might have been that Heroes of Wrestling show. Oh, man. Let's look I'll up look it up if he's done like match. some one-off thing here. But, um... <laughs> um... Yeah, that's that certainly has more interest. I mean, Tully Blanchard and Shaq really is the match I think that they should have went with. 2007 with Dustin Rhodes at the NWA wow. Legends Fan Fest. So incredible. Uh, 13 years. We'll see how much he does. He's got to do some stuff. Well, we'll what's see. some stuff? Is he going to take a power bomb from Brian Cage? He's got to do something that everyone is surprised by. 450. Canadian Destroyer. You pull off a Canadian Destroyer. Probably, yeah. Uh, we get a promo from John Moxley. He says that Kingston has always had a stick up his ass. He's the only one that actually cares about Kingston, and he's going to keep whipping his ass. Plugs the match with Kenta February 26th on NJPW Strong. So there is our, our strong promo. So they did that there. I mean, I believe... Um... Uh, what's his name? Um, Excalibur did it all over Dark as well. So uh, last week seemed like a <laughs> seemed like a bad version of the plug that they were they they were rectifying this week. We now have a standard of a New Japan plug and an Impact plug that we get on Dynamite. Uh, yes, did we get an Impact one? I didn't hear Impact mentioned at all here, unless it was in passing. Yeah, no. And then Moxley says, after New Japan Strong and breaking Kenta's neck, 
I'm going for all you sons of bitches and taking you down. He's going to take back the AEW title from Kenny Omega, who is still in his crosshairs. His time is coming. Main event, Eddie Kingston, Butcher and the Blade against Moxley, Phoenix, Lance Archer. They have a big brawl on the floor. A lot of Archer at the beginning, just throwing the blade all over the place. Archer goes for his usual rope walk, holding on to Blade. Meanwhile, Butcher is on the edge of the apron. And Phoenix, I don't know what was going on, what he had planned here. He was going to try and scale the rope and, I guess, rotate around Archer on the top rope. I give the man all the credit for ambition, but this was uh, a mess, uh, whatever he was trying to do, as he just crashed onto Butcher and went to the floor. But he made up for it later. Lots of big man spots here with Archer. Uh, He's got Kingston and Butcher by the throat. And then there's a double splash to or double cross body coming off the ropes. Phoenix comes in, does this springboard kick to Butcher on the buckle while he's holding on to Eddie. Unreal sequence here, ending with a splash off the top. Moxley's in. He lays out everyone, and everyone's going for moves here. And we get the overhead shot of all six men down in the ring. And then Moxley and Eddie Kingston lock eyes from their respective corners. They're tagged in. Phoenix then does a spin kick. Uh And then we get a pounce by Archer, and Moxley applies the bulldog choke to Eddie Kingston. That's broken up by the blade. Archer then chokeslams Phoenix into a tornillo onto Butcher and the blade on the floor. He follows with the cannonball, and Moxley and Kingston battle it out, ending with the paradigm shift. And Moxley pins Eddie Kingston, who is still in recovery, at 11 minutes and 55 seconds because of his demons. So what's step five? Alcohol, drugs, sex, fighting... I don't know. He might be out of um, releases. I don't know. I hate to. I hate to know what that would be. I thought this was a really good match, and in particular, I thought Archer and Phoenix both continued to stand out really well in these multi-man matches. Archer is just such a fantastic babyface, working the style as a big man. He's just been so great in these matches, and Phoenix continues to really shine. Um, I. I, I think they did a great job like making sure that both of them got something out of this match while putting the spotlight on John Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, which uh you can always count on them to like create a great deal of intensity in a very short amount of time. I could see Archer and Phoenix getting into that ladder match. Mm, that would be great. Both of them would be fantastic in it. Yeah. It gives you the the excuse to do like Phoenix and Pentagon spots together. Um, mm-hmm. Archer would be a great base in there who can also do a lot of stuff in there. It adds some mm-hmm. star power as well. Um, I, I could see that being a spot for those two on the pay-per-view. And then Moxley gets onto the microphone after he's jumped by the good brothers and Omega comes out to his music and he's got a contract from Tony Khan. And he reveals that there was a rematch clause in the contract when they, when they met last. So he's going to give Moxley his rematch at revolution, but Omega gets to name the type of match. It's going to be an exploding barbed wire death match. Kenny says, I'm holding the gun and your time on this earth is limited. And with that, Moxley is being held and does the, the Kurt Angle headbutt to Samoa Joe, busting open Omega, who drills him with a pair of V-triggers. Excalibur is bringing up FMW, and it closes with Omega bleeding from the headbutt uh, with Moxley down. 
And I would say yeah, what summarized uh, this particular show, uh, this was a, a great tweet from Stephanie Chase that what other show can bring you an exploding barbed wire deathmatch announcement and a gender reveal? <laughs> That's a very... All the bases were covered yeah. on the show. And children in a kindergarten. <laughs> so And Dory Funk Jr. The show had everything. Dude, Dory Funk Jr. was in the crowd. Papa Buck was yeah. there. So uh, this this is like they have to go above and beyond their lights out match, which uh, a lot of people were very negative towards. This is going to be a very violent match. And these are very hard matches to do as well. Like they're built around like stunts within the match. And knowing these two, they're going to want to have a great match with it, with all these explosions worked into it. Uh, it's going to be a spectacle. That's the draw and appeal of this match. How are these two going to try and do this match? Um, for, and in uh, in a U.S. setting uh, on top of it. So I think they have their work cut out for them. I don't, I, I'm sure this is going to be a polarizing match that people will love and some will hate as well. Certainly, yeah. I did not expect them to go the direction of more extreme. You know, more, uh, quote-unquote, blood and guts than their last match that these two have had, or at least the last hardcore match these two have had. Um, I, I'm i certainly curious, um, because I think these two have a real artistry about them, that it won't just simply be guys falling into explosions. I think they'll do their best to, like, you know, really kind of, like, uh, have story attached to it, to make it all make sense, and make it all very dramatic. I'm very, very curious to see both men's take on the match style, in per- particular Kenny who I really didn't know had this kind of like hardcore side to him. I mean, we kind of know him as sort of like a comedy guy in DDT and then, you know, obviously great uh, New Japan style pro wrestler. But like, I didn't really realize that he kind of had this curiosity with like hardcore wrestling. But um, I'm I'm interested to see it from an artistic standpoint, what these two create. I, I really like the closing angle here. You know, those V triggers look great and that headbutt drawing blood was was really quite fortunate. Yeah, I think that, you know, the appeal of this is really selling this match as the most dangerous thing you could possibly see by ordering this pay-per-view. Like, that's kind of the angle you have to take. And I think the next two weeks, it's incumbent on, like, essentially, you're selling, like, these two are going to war. And that's kind of the buildup for this. And the idea that, um, like, you're selling a very violent match. That's that's the mm-hmm. hook to this, this main event on the pay-per-view. And I think, like, it, it does make logical sense given the lights out uh, the the win by Moxley and now Omega beating him in the most violent match possible to fully end this feud. You know, on the topic of um this whole story, um we there was no Kenta on the show. There was mention made of Kenta by John Moxley. But you know, much of the talk was like how far like how far this kind of forbidden door was really extending how far this Bullet Club reunion storyline might actually be extending without seeing Kenta on the show and presumably maybe not on next week's show either because they're taping it in this batch. Do you expect Kenta and any other New Japan wrestler to show up past the Moxley match on Strong? Oh, past the, the Moxley match. I could see them cooling it off um, for, for a bit until you can bring more people over. I think that once I, I could I could imagine they do some angle with Kenta next week to send people to the to, to the strong match. I, I am curious how much like next week, because honestly, if I am Tony Khan, I'm I'm two weeks out from my pay-per-view. I'm not 
putting all my resources into plugging this Kenta match. It's like we've we've done our promotion of it. I'm selling a pay-per-view and I've got two episodes left to do it. And next week should be more singular focus on the Omega match. So I wouldn't even – we'll see what they do next week. Beyond a mention, like I, I don't know how much time you spend selling people on the Kenta match for, for the Friday. I think that's kind of his philosophy when it comes to impact as well. You know, why confuse our audience with like going to all these different places, paying for other shows when we have our own own shit to promote. Uh, There's a time for it. Now is the priority is the pay-per-view. So it's not like they're in this lull where this is, you know, can be a benefit to your partner. It's like you have your main event set and you've got two, two weeks to really hammer that main event home. Well, I'm really just curious if this like whole Bullet Club reunion thing was really just a one-time deal, you know, as a make, you know, as a way to kind of co-promote this Moxley Kenta match specifically, or if there is a bigger storyline attached to, to the rest of it. Well, we'll see. I, I I imagine that it will be revisited at a point when 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 it's useful, when when they need to draw upon something. Um, so that was Dynamite, um, a show that had um. A, a wide variety of offerings certainly did but um you know we can absolutely say that in terms of wrestling i thought it really delivered the women's career. match was great tag title match was great the six-man tag really strong stuff um mm-hmm. oh, the wrestling was very good on the show i thought yeah and some big angles like they are peaking for this pay-per-view and it's like you've got a lot of the key things in place now we got to see Shaq work out and slow got to see Shaq watch um layups as well so yes. let's go to the forum tonight the poll gave this show a 7.47 we start off with noah from vaughn exploding barbed wire death match as if this revolution show couldn't get any more insane between that the ladder match and the street fight yeah that's a lot this is shaping up to be one of the most insane shows AEW has ever done and i'm so excited for it as for tonight this was dynamite at its best three awesome matches naming the women's match, the tag titles in the main event, and storylines advancing towards the pay-per-view. Just an incredible show tonight. Nine out of ten. So, I mean, on that note, we, we have a pretty, like, full card already for uh, Revolution. Shall we go over what we know so far? Yes. Why don't you read off the list? So, of course, in the main event, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship in an exploding barbed wire death match. We have the Face of Revolution ladder match for a chance at the AEW TNT Championship with Cody, Scorpio Sky, Penta, and three other people to be named. We have the big money match for uh, Losers 2021 first quarter earnings with Adam Page and Matt Hardy. Uh, Hikaru Shida versus the winner of the AEW Women's uh, Eliminator Tournament. Team Taz with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks taking on Darby Allen and Sting in the street fight, and the Bucks taking on the inner circle with Chris Jericho and MJF. So, um, yeah, very stacked lineup. So, how far many matches already. is that? How many? That's six so far. Okay, so we'll see if they fit anything in. I mean, uh, a lot of these stipulation matches as, as well, like the ladder match, the main event, like that's that's going to take up a lot of time. Um, I can see mm. a few more things uh, inserted there, but there you go. That is March the seventh. Let's continue on with the uh, the feedback. Uh, you are up. Yeah, let's go to Chris Thunder from Down Under who says, Hey, John and Wayne. First time in forever I've been able to watch live, which proves my viewing experience greatly, which improves my viewing experience greatly. The show itself felt good, building towards revolution. As for this upcoming Shaq match, I don't have high hopes, and I'm a bit baffled why this is on TV. Well, it's, it's, it's availability. I mean, uh, it's 
the NBA has their all-star game at the pay-per-view. And I don't even disagree that this is, I don't mind doing this on TV. I think sometimes you have to do big things on your television when you're a growth product that are still trying to expand your audience. And yes, for a one night, um, you know, trying to be profitable and put Shaq on pay-per-view. Yeah. That might have some appeal, but I think long-term, um, it, it, the key will be that week of how much promotion uh, they get for this match with Shaq uh, and coming out of it like this. It's an experiment. It's something to try and expand your audience. I think it's a well worth the experiment to try this on TV. I I don't think it would make any sense but TV to put a Shaquille O'Neal match on because I don't think the value is trying to get your hardcore audience to pay for a Shaquille O'Neal match. It's to... Get people who don't usually watch Dynamite to sample the show if they know who Shaq is or if they're just simply flipping through channels and seeing Shaquille O'Neal in a wrestling match, staying tuned and hopefully watching the rest of your show. And then maybe deciding to order AEW Revolution on this Sunday or or what is it, Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. But you're right. It's like like, get the most amount of eyeballs on your go-home show and hopefully do something big to send them into Sunday. He This match and Shaquille O'Neal in particular are not draws for a paying AEW current AEW fan who I think, you know, uh, really values good quality wrestling on these pay pay-per-views. Um, it's, it's more of a stunt. And I think these stunts belong on TV. Uh, he goes on to say the show itself. Okay. Uh, the women's tournament is helping shine a light on their division while also sadly showing its lack of depth of championship contenders at this point. And, uh, thank you for the show. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, for the, the feedback. Hope you leave it more often. Jesse from Montreal. Were Jade and Shaq even in the same place, or was that video just smoke and errors? I would have to go and rewatch it to like see how well, well it you was. Could, you you could be right, Jesse. It yeah, could definitely be right. Like especially like Shaq is not coming all the way to just shoot this. Like he's probably right. Like this probably. I, I didn't watch it close enough that I could uh, comment, but it's not like they had any interaction. So you are probably right. Like, was, I remember the big close-up of Shaq just nodding. It's like, you're probably right. They probably weren't even together. Maybe it was like stock footage of Shaq from like five years ago. <laughs> it would be great if they took like Kazam footage and like tried to pretend it was live. This was him from uh, like 2001 working out with like Robert Horry. I know there must have been some heavy editing because it showed Shaq making a free throw. <laughs> That is funny. Nice of Eddie Kingston to continue to pay homage to Kawada by continuously losing to the same guy over and over. Uh, Was Riho versus Serena Deeb the best women's match in AEW history, or am I guilty of recency bias? I'd have to look back at that. I did think it was one of the stronger outings uh, that the women had. I, I really enjoyed that match tonight. Finally, we got a Kate from Montreal who says, I thought Santana and Ortiz might get the win to make an inner circle versus inner circle match for Revolution, and I still think that would be a better story. But AEW has done enough right with their storytelling that I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Of course, I'm still trying to figure out how Cassidy knew he would, he should hide in that mascot costume. That's a good question. How did Cassidy know that the contract would be no? Like that the contract would be flipped? Maybe they overheard Hangman Page working with the mascot for this idea, and then Cassidy jumped the real mascot and then assumed the identity. This was identity fraud. Clearly, I think he watches the the shows. That's how everybody knows everything. And clearly, Matt Hardy doesn't doesn't watch. And 
for some reason Cassidy didn't tell Matt Hardy and instead wanted to surprise him. Yeah. The lesson is uh, always watch Dynamite. That's what they're trying to so, tell everybody. Kate says Brian Cage must be the safest worker on the planet to be trusted with that power bomb because if anything had gone wrong, it would have been a disaster. And now I'm convinced that Phoenix is partly made of CGI effects because humans can't do that. Well, thank you, everyone, for the feedback to tonight's edition of Dynamite. And that's going to wrap up the show. So thanks to everybody for joining us live in the Zoom room. Tomorrow, Thursday, 3 Eastern, it's the Wellness Policy. I'll be back on Friday night with Mr. Ting. Friday night, SmackDown, which means SmackDown review and your phone calls. Oh, I can't wait. Uh... We'll go through Elimination Chamber as well. Whatever we know about Elimination Chamber by the end of SmackDown. Yes, yes. And uh, you know what? Anything else you guys want to talk about? It's it's uh, it's food, uh, shorts in the winter. Mary Browns. Uh, yeah, anything. All open topics here on Friday nights. Okay. Have a wonderful night, day, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for listening to Rewind to Dynamite, and we'll be back later this week.